And are you ready? It's Sunday. Hold on one second. Chris, should we edit this out? Three, two, one. Oh, no, we'll leave it in. Here we go. You, Trojan Sports Podcast kicks off now. Direct from Rivals and Yahoo Sports. This, this is the Trojansports.com Podcast. For a USC with Trojan Sports publisher, Chris P. Swanson. Moving on. You, love you better cut that out, man. I swear. That better, I better not hear that on the podcast. You mean right? about the him doing that? Yeah, we broke down. The, the, okay. Beat reporter, Adam J. Maya. Here we go. Yeah. Sports. We start March. Yeah. Blair Angulo. What's his name? Blair Angulo with the recruiting information you crave. The J is for what, Adam? I'm going to punch you. <laughs> and yes, and yes, your host, our very own Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego. Reading whatever is on the prompter. Defense is Sua Adori Chalk by the end of the not, year, not by the way. Chalk. <laughs> I don't know why I said I'll, I'll just read whatever it says, baby. <laughs> I know. Ron. Chris Morales. It's the weekly radio show you need for everything USC. Is that your first joke? That's really a good one. Follow Trojansports.com on Twitter at USC underscore rivals. The Trojansports.com podcast kicks off now. Now. Here is your host from the Yahoo Sports headquarters in Playa Vista. Chris Morales. All right, you guys, let's listen up. We won a game yesterday. We win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak. It has happened before. So let's see some hustle. Let's jack it up a little. I got a feeling things are about to turn around for us. That's right, as the great Lou Brown once said in a motion picture long ago, Let's jack it up a little bit. Here we go. Welcome in to the Trojan Sports Podcast for your Sunday. Trojans win last night at the Coliseum over the Wildcats, 38-30. to The boys were up late. They were at the Coliseum late. We woke them up early to get to you, the fans, for the Trojan Sports Podcast. Adam J. Maya, beat reporter for Trojan Sports, and Chris P. Swanson, the publisher. I start with you, Adam. Are you awake yet, or are you still in a, in a bit of a grog? I didn't even go to bed, man. Wow. Oh, wait, hold, hold on. Uh, I actually want to begin with you. I want to know what you thought about Rojo last night. Are you asking me or Chris? No, I'm asking you about Rojo. Why are you asking me? Okay. I, I don't think you realize uh, last week on the podcast, you pronounced Rojo and Rojo. Did I? You did. Wow. Highlight reel, Adam. Adori Mitchell Rojo and Davis are our most electrifying runners in space. Yeah, one game he plays and others. And I didn't edit that out. I didn't edit out a lot of things of the podcast last week <laughs> until yeah. the second version. I didn't catch it as we were recording it, but uh, leave it to you to to go Spanish with Rojo. Well, you know, I am half. Right. Half Spanish. Yeah, the top half. Exactly right. Uh, Crispy Swanson, are you, uh, are you entertained by this whole conversation thus far? I'm always entertained when we talk about all our screw-ups. Our screw-ups, our rojos, our rojos. It's fun. Yeah. It's frivolity. But let me tell you what is fun. Being able to win some money on a Trojans win because they, they allowed, US, or allowed Arizona to blow away that point spread. So you bet on it. I did. I but it's entertainment it. purposes only. I of thought. course. But, you know, sometimes it, it actually works in your favor to not follow the point spreads for USC and bet against them and still root for them for the victory. That's how gambling works for entertainment purposes only. But Mr. Swanson, 
how do you feel? I mean, you know, I know you got to bed late, but it feels like a, a good win for USC, right? A win is a good win for USC. Uh, you know, who cares about scores? They have three losses. They're not trying to impress a committee to get in the playoffs or to increase their rankings. It's just exactly for them. It's <laughs> just win, and you have a chance to win the division, and that gives you a chance to win the conference, and that gives you a chance to play in the Rose Bowl. So a win is a win. Keep winning, USC. That's that's all they have to be concerned about with now. So, yeah, I mean, it's good enough for me. I'm glad that I didn't have to write about, you know, how devastating a loss it was and what an upset and what a surprise and everything that went wrong. So that's always a nice day. There you, you go. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Not well, I can tell you that much. Come but, on, uh, come on. Adam, all this edit so- well, so. I don't edit well, so that works out. See, we, we all compliment each other. It's perfect. That's true. All right, we've I got just f- need Adam to do the podcast, too, and, you know, it'll be smooth. We've got a full Sunday show for everyone up ahead. Michael Lev from, of course, the Orange County Register is going to join us. We're going to break down recruiting. We're going to break down the matchup with the Buffaloes coming up Friday night up in Boulder. But first, we've got to talk about last night and the win over the Wildcats. I start with you, Adam J. Maya. How good is Rojo? How good? How good? Rojo, or Ronald Jones II, is on track to become the best freshman running back in USC history. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have a little fun with numbers here. Our man, Mr. Jones, has already rushed for 710 yards. The freshman record is 858 by Charles White 39 years ago. He's going to break that. And then after that, it's Lendell White with 754. But I have a feeling some people would probably toward maybe a Reggie Bush or I would understand Marcus Allen. Um, We know that he was backing up Charles White. He didn't have the carries to maybe show how great he was. So I can't really go there and and, and outright say that Rojo's better than Marcus Allen as a freshman because Marcus Allen probably didn't play enough or he didn't run the ball enough to to make that argument. But in terms of those that that got the work, compare him to Reggie for a moment here. He already has nearly 200 rushing yards more than Reggie did as a freshman. And you're going to think, oh, well, that's because Reggie didn't run the ball as much. No. Reggie had one more carry than Ronald Jones has already right now. And he had 200 yards less than Ronald Jones. So you're witnessing a very, very special player. This guy, I don't know where it's going to go from here because I don't know that he'll ever get 30 carries a game or who knows how often he'll even get like 25 carries a game. And if you're going to break records at USC career records, you need, you need the ball. And they usually have a committee. They usually have a lot of talent back there. So let's just talk about his freshman year. He's unbelievable. I covered Reggie and Landell their freshman years. They were not as good of running backs as Ronald Jones. Adam, I love the bold statement, and I thought of you last night 
when he made the 74-yard 74 74-yard 74 touchdown. It almost was reminiscent. Then I thought of your Twitter page with Reggie, uh, your header there with your photo, and I, it almost flashed me back to 2005, and it was amazing. So I love the bold statement. I think you're you're dead on with that one. Crispy Swanson. Yeah, um, you know, I think uh, I think it's always hard when you're having these conversations about how good this guy is compared to some of these names, you know, that were thrown out there that won Heisman trophies, that set, you know, rushing touchdown records, uh, all sorts of stuff. It's hard to have that conversation because we don't know where Ronald Jones is going to go in the future. I can tell you that I think he has the potential to be as good as anybody that's ever played the game. Uh, I've... It's an incredibly impressive Wait, freshman. Ha, ha, ever played any position anywhere at any time? Well, why not? I mean, honestly, he's a freshman. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Like, look at what he's doing compared to. I mean, I would consider Charles White one of the best running backs ever. You know, and mm-hmm. he's going to break his freshman record. So I'm, I'm saying, he could be the best. Why not? You know, I don't know if you meant a Trojan or just like you know Jerry anything. Rice, Walter Payton. Sure. I, it's it's early enough in his career where I'm going to say, sure, why couldn't he be that? I'm not saying he will be that. I'm saying he could be. He's shown me so much. I mean, I think we talk about Lendale White, Reggie Bush's freshman uh, campaign. Ronald Jones is clearly the, the most talented tailback that USC has right now. That wasn't the case for Lendale White and Reggie Bush when they were freshmen. Uh, they had Herschel Dennis there, and he got carries too, and he was kind of a three-headed monster. This is different. Ronald Jones is clearly the it, it just blows me away. I I did not expect this coming in the season when you have two older guys, two guys who are, you know, highly ranked recruits that have experience carrying the ball, they've done so They've been well. Productive. Yeah. yeah, I I even wonder would Ronald Jones be USC's best running back if Buck Allen was still here? I really yes. question, you know, that. I think it, it might be the case. I don't even know what to say about this kid. He's just blown me away. I think that if he was a complete back already, he would be getting 30 touches a game. He'd be, you know, one of, competing for the Heisman Trophy maybe. Uh, it's, it reminds me, when we saw Dory Jackson and Juju Smith as freshmen, we both said, okay, those guys will be great. I'm even more impressed with Ronald Jones so far. Yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, I, I just want to see him get the ball more and more. Um, his yards per carry is unbelievable. It's got about eight yards right now, but he's still getting only about nine carries a game. And coming into the year, I thought that Justin Davis would rush for maybe 1,200 yards or even Trey Madden to rush for a thousand yards. Ronald Jones is going to top a thousand yards while again averaging less than ten carries a game. That's really hard to do. It's insane. But, yeah, he he's so productive. Um, I, I look up, you know, some of his total stats. He's only lost thirteen yards all year, and it's typical for a tailback in the course of the year to have, you know, a dozen or so um, tackles for loss and, and negative rushes. And by comparison, Reggie Bush, freshman year, lost about 40 yards. And I think his sophomore year, he lost over 60 yards. And in his junior year, 
which was epic and is in the annals of college football history, he lost about 40 yards. And Ronald lost 13 because he doesn't play around in the backfield. And so I, I looked up those, those 13 yards and eight of them are one-yard losses. And then there's a, a five-yard loss. And what's impressive to me, too, is he's doing it behind this USC offensive line, which, you know, hasn't been great this year. They've been poor with run block, and I even think that's fair to say. And I see contact being made. They've been up yeah. and down. Okay. I think they've improved quite a bit in run blocking, but, but yeah, it hasn't always been their 4K for sure. There are times when Ronald Jones does get hit in the backfield. Yeah. He still makes yards. Yeah. It's so impressive. You talked about Reggie Bush all three of those years, especially that 2005 year. Reggie Bush ran behind an offensive line that I could have ran behind and probably had a 100-yard game, honestly. Like, I've <laughs> one of the 2005 USC offensive lines, one of the best offensive lines in college football history. Amazing. Amazing. This line is not that. And Ronald Jones only has 13 yards, you know, lost. It's, I'm speechless. I mean, I'm trying yeah. really hard to get through this segment because I don't even know what to say about the kid. Get through uh, it, buddy. I, get through it. Well, I'm afraid that, you know, I'm, if I keep complimenting him, I'm going to call him like the best football player in the world. Well, you, you kind you know? of almost did. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, didn't we do that already? <laughs> or did we edit that out? No, I'm just kidding. No, yes. Continue, Mr. Swanson. Yeah, I mean, just give that kid the ball. I mean, I I know that you know he's not he doesn't he's not all the way there with pass protection with catching. There's other talented tailbacks. They're further along. There's other talented freshman tailbacks that have actually played even um, that I don't think we're ever going to see again <laughs> this year. But um, yeah, I mean. He's it's mind blowing, and I think that in best case scenarios, you get him thirty touches. Honestly, thirty. Uh, I don't think he's that kind of back, but I think you wish you could give him that many touches. I think that he's kind of changed this offense's identity uh, based yeah, on his yeah. play, which is blow, blows me away. He's a freshman, and this offense has gone from we're going to throw the ball with our you know Heisman Trophy contending quarterback. I use air quotes for that, but that was that was what people were talking about about USC before the season. That's why their offense is going to be good, these receivers and this quarterback. Now they're a run-first team. They're a, a team where their fans are begging them to take the ball out of the hands of a redshirt senior quarterback and hand it to a freshman tailback. Mind-blowing. Yeah, I, I'm just excited to watch him. And you mentioned the offensive line. Think about it. There's a good chance that everybody's coming back on that line. You know, Max Turk obviously is already out for the year and he'll have moved on, but everybody else might be coming back. Hmm. They can be really, really good next year, like with the line and, and, and Rojo. Rojo, you mean? <laughs> so we all agree we like Rojo, but what did we like from the game last night against the Wildcats? I start with you, Adam J. Maya. The very first thing that popped out to me was the play of the defensive line. I think they really picked up the secondary. They took away their run, which that was the one thing that Arizona did really well and was probably, if they were going to beat USC, they had to run the ball. And they made, US, they made, excuse me, they made Arizona turn to, to throwing the ball more than running the ball. And, that's not the way that you beat USC, but 
Arizona felt like that was all it could do at that point. And so great play by Antoine Woods. I think that was the best game of his career. And I think we've seen uh, a great effort of late from Delvon Simmons and then Claude Pallone, who hadn't even practiced, kind of came out of nowhere and, and played really well. And that extended to the, the linebackers as well. I thought the front seven played really well. I was just very impressed. They got pressure on the quarterback. Um, even though Anu Solomon had his moments and he did throw the ball pretty well, but I think for some reason that was on the secondary. Very curious effort from them. But I thought that the, the defensive line did their part um, in both ways in terms of getting pressure and, and stopping that run. And that would be their best game of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I'm just you know I'm just gonna talk up this front seven as well, uh, and I, I'm gonna include the linebackers too. It is so different from the beginning of the season. I almost I don't even really understand what happened. I, I can only ask people and, and try to get an explanation. And honestly, I don't even think the team really knows what happened completely either. It's they're totally different. I mean, this is a team. Stanford beat them up up front. Notre Dame did too. Uh, and that I, was three weeks ago. That was three weeks ago. And I was, I mean, I was questioning, you know, on this podcast, on the message board, you know, when people are asking me questions, is this front seven even good? Are these, because they're, you know, they're experienced, they have the older veteran guys, but I was questioning, are these older guys, guys that just couldn't go to the NFL, that couldn't leave early? It seems like they're just the leftovers, the the guys that didn't, you know, project to what they should have been, that didn't develop. That's that's was my impression of USC's experience along their front seven. And I thought they're looking towards the future because these freshmen look like they can be pretty good. Now all of a sudden, these veterans, oh my gosh, are they just making plays? I mean, Delvon Simmons and Claude Pellon making plays. Antoine Woods last night was amazing. I think Anthony Sorrow, Scott Felix, all those guys have just turned it around. They're they're putting pressure on the quarterback. They're stopping the run. I mean, there's still, you know, there's still ways to go. I think they could still get some more sacks or whatever, but just so much better. It, I mean, there was a time when they were giving up, you know, over 150 yards on the ground and they held a potent Arizona rushing attack to you know, around 60-something yards on on 30-something carries. I did not see that coming for this game for Utah. You know, the Oregon game will be telling as well on, on where this, this rush defense is. But, wow, I'm I'm so impressed with, with them, the changes they made in practice. It, it's amazing. They're much, much better up front than they were just weeks ago. Okay, a couple other things I want to get into as well that I think are really noteworthy here. USC dominated the fourth quarter. When was the last time that happened? And they had to dominate it. They were in a, a tight game, and the game was not decided. And they scored 21 points and essentially won the quarter 21-3. to I know they gave up a touchdown with 10 seconds left, but they scored on three of their four possessions. We saw the opposite play out versus Cal, which left a lot of fans wanting more and and skeptical, which I get. But I I love the way that they finished. 
And and then I, I also can appreciate the fact that they came back from a 14-0 deficit. That was the largest deficit that they had come back from in three years. They, they really didn't even have a true comeback under Sarkeesian, ever. Their, their biggest comeback in the second half had been a, a field goal versus Stanford last year. And then they were down by a touchdown versus Nebraska in the Holiday Bowl in the second quarter. So if you want to call that a comeback, then great. But this was a comeback. They were down 14 nothing in the second quarter, and then they outscored Arizona 38-9 before that late touchdown. And I thought the game completely changed on that interception by John Plattenberg in which Arizona was moving the ball. They were up 14-3. to And I love that sequence for a couple reasons. Um, one, I'm just seeing a more aggressive secondary. I know they didn't play very well last night, but they're getting interceptions. They're creating turnovers. They weren't doing that earlier in the year, but they've done it the last few weeks. They needed a play, you know, and it, that was kind of a staple of the Pete Carroll team where they needed a turnover and they got it. And I didn't get to talk to Plattenberg last night, but I will this week because I'd like to hear what he was thinking in that time of the game with the team trailing by 11. And then what I love is the very next play, Clay Helton goes for it all and, and kind of catches Arizona off guard, I think, and they go over the top with a Cody Kijuju. And it, it worked out, and it was a, a long touchdown. And now they're back in the game. And, and it just felt like, oh, they're going to win this game. I, I don't know if you felt that, Chris, but I, I felt like if Arizona was going to score there, then this is going to be Washington all over again. But with the interception touchdown in a matter of a minute, USC was going to win. They won the game right there. Well, I kind of agree with you, Adam, because when they were down 14 to nothing, I know it was early, but I had thought they had lost the game. I thought it was over uh, just because I hadn't seen USC in many years come back from a score like that, you know, uh, show, you know, some fight through adversity in a single game situation and win that. And as Arizona was driving and looking to score again to put 21 points up, I thought, oh, my gosh. This could get ugly. Like, this is such a weird game. You know, maybe Arizona even blows them out. And, you know, wow. Uh, I was just confused. And they rallied so well. I was so surprised. And I also want to, you know, pat John Plamberg on the back. And if you do want to hear from him, Adam, we have him on Video Interview <laughs> Central, which is, uh, which is up on the front page right now. But I have to pat him on the back because, uh, you know, coming out of high school, he was kind of – one of these lower-rated guys that USC took, you know, flying under the radar. I think, you know, the fans on the message board that, you know, follow it closely and believe that they know, you know, who's good, who isn't. They're, some of them are even questioning, why are we taking John Plattenberg? La- against Arizona, that was such an impressive game. Um, he, I know there are many people that won USC that game. You could say Juju Smith won him that game. You could say Ronald John- uh, Jones won him that game. John Plattenberg is the player that won them that game. Uh, yeah, he, he, he was their best defensive back last night. Yes, well, he was He was that. Also, he had that interception, which killed a touchdown drive. 
And on the kickoff, there was a kickoff return that Arizona was certainly, it seemed like certainly they were taking it to the house. And he made a tackle that prevented another score. USC won by eight. John Planberg may have single-handedly prevented anywhere from six to 14 points by himself. Yeah, He's a player that won them that game. That's not what you expected out of John Planberg. I think when he came to USC coming into this season, he wasn't supposed to be the defensive player that wins USC a game. But he did it against Arizona. I know we all pretty much know who Adam Maya's bumper sticker award is going to. I hope you're not mad at me for saying that, but I think it's pretty <laughs> obvious this week. But John Plamberg, if this was another week where, you know, somebody didn't have such an amazing performance on offense, maybe he's an Adam Maya bumper sticker award winner in the future. Well, also impressive about Plamberg's performance is the fact that a week ago, he didn't even play on defense. He only played special teams. Leon McQuay played the entire game. And Leon played really well, and then Leon was not able to go versus Arizona. And so Plattenberg stepped right in and essentially played the whole game. And he, like I mentioned, was their top defensive back on that night. And so we're seeing a lot of that with Clay Helton, where you don't always know where it's coming from, but multiple people are really stepping up to the, the occasion of course, someone who always stepped up to the occasion, Juju Smith-Schuster. And I was in awe of what he did last night. I think we all were. And it had me thinking, why is he so good? Right? Because he's very well-rounded, but and he has a great blend of different talents. But... He's not the tallest guy. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the best athlete. He is very, very strong. But there are, you know, more physically imposing receivers, right? I mean, he, he, that would be probably physically his top uh, asset. But what I think is his top quality and why I think He's a tremendous football player and will go down as one of the greatest Trojans ever is his will. I think that kid has an unbelievable mindset in which he gets himself ready to play every down, every, I mean, every quarter, every game, every week. There's never a letdown. I mean, he's played for, you know, what, 20 games now or 20, 22 games. And I, I can't ever remember a letdown from Juju Smith-Schuster. Not in practice, not in a game. And I, I just find him to be one of the most impressive 19-year-olds I've ever encountered. Well, it's it's a rare situation. And I know it shouldn't, it shouldn't seem like it's so rare, but it actually is. It's when you get a guy that's that talented and cares that much and puts in that much effort. You know, he might be one of the best players uh, in the country, you know. And yeah. Yes, sure. he's talented. He's talented enough to be that. But I think that it's clear that his drive and his will has really thrust him into the conversation. I mean, I just think about his whole career. Coming into, into college, he was supposed to be a safety. Um, I'd seen him play both in high school. 
He played a lot of offense for Long Beach Poly. I thought he could play receiver at the next level, but I think everybody thought this kid is an amazing safety and an above-average receiver. That that was the thought coming in. He, with the work he put in, has become the best receiver in the Pac-12. <laughs> yeah, uh, in two years, you know when he was yeah. supposed to be a safety. It's 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 mind blowing. Uh, you know the be, just being the best receiver. You know clearly the best receiver on a USC team that's loaded with receivers. That's very talented. And then you mentioned how he never has a letdown. I mean, I even remember uh, Nelson Aguilar having bad games. Uh, quiet games. Yeah, Marquise Lee. Quiet games. Uh, not Juju Smith-Schuster. It's, no, I mean, it's, it's we, crazy. I didn't think initially that he would play Saturday night, and I didn't yeah. think he really should play. No, um, I'm not a doctor, so I, I wasn't questioning that their ultimate decision. Just leading into it with the fractured hand and the surgery on Monday, and him being a receiver and it being Arizona, all signs pointed to USC probably being better off without him. They wouldn't have won a game without him. They, no. they would not have won that game. Cody went right to him and went back to him. And then when he was out of the game for a while, then Cody, you know, was stuck. And so that's probably a whole different issue. But, I mean, Juju's making one-handed catches. He's breaking off long touchdown runs. Uh, he caught that other one. I, it, it, it didn't count, but it was one in the corner of the end zone. I think uh, there was a, it was a penalty on the play. I forgot what it was right now. But he caught that one with one hand as well uh, while he was being draped by a defender. He's just an unbelievable player that has a drive like no other. He talked about after the game how he was crying in pain throughout the week. And he was praying that he would be able to get on the field. He just felt like he couldn't miss out on what was going on. But I think that he sets an example that has just a, an unbelievable impact on, on everyone in that locker room. Oh, definitely. I mean, Clay Helton says, you know, he's Superman. I've never been around a player like this. No one rolls their eyes. Everyone believes it. You know, it, it's... Uh, it's he's an amazing player. I think of uh, of you know he fractured his hand on Monday. Well, he he's, fractured it in the game. He's, sorry, yeah, he fractured the game. He had surgery on Monday. He had, he's playing days after surgery. I wouldn't even be back to work if I had surgery on Monday, you know. And I don't I don't do something that physical, obviously. Yeah, you talk for a living. Yeah, to me, um, he has willed himself into becoming USC's best receiver, in my opinion since Dwayne Jarrett and Mike Williams. Those are the only two receivers in recent memory at USC that I can remember always having consistent games, always getting big yards, getting touchdowns. I guess Jarrett had a couple games uh, early on in well, 2006 where that didn't happen. But will and can I mean, it's not like totally in your control and your receiver. No, it isn't. It isn't. But my point is, you know, there have right been very, there. Yes, uh, there have but, been very few receivers where it seems like no matter what, they're they're getting yards even though it's out of their control. Like Mike Williams, I don't think he ever had a quiet game. You know, yeah, right. Juju Smith is doing that. Yeah, and, yeah he, and he's not as talented of a receiver, raw natural ability as you know a Mike Williams. I don't think anyway. Or a Robert th- Woods. Yeah. Or a Marquise Lee. 
it's it's really mind blowing that he can do this. That his he has basically willed himself into becoming you know to being in this conversation with some of the greatest receivers to ever play at USC. Yeah, I, I, I've made that list before, and you look at the top five, and I think you're talking about Keyshawn and Mike Williams, and it, let's go with the modern era. I, I know Lynn Swan is a Hall of Famer, but it's really hard to compare between the two eras. But in the last 20 years, um, or 25 years, and you, you got Johnny Morton and, and Curtis Conway, but um, you know, then Robert Woods, Marquis Swee, Nelson Aguilar, Dwayne Jarrett, Steve Smith. I'm putting Juju in that top five of, of that larger group that I mentioned. Wow. Look at the bold opinions this week on the Trojansports.com podcast. Okay, we've got to get to the Adam J. Meyer bumper sticker award, even though I think we've teased it enough and people probably know where it's going. But first, what didn't we like? We've talked so much about what we liked. What didn't we like from Saturday night? Chris P. Swanson. Oh, starting with me, huh? Okay. Yeah, look at that. Uh, yeah, okay. I think I'll start with the obvious is uh, USC is uh, just it, they insist on getting Cody Kessler opportunities to make plays on on trying to get him numbers. Um, they threw the ball way too many times in this game. It's it seemed like a trend for them where you know I I felt this way against Cal too. They threw the ball too much. Why are they putting the ball in Cody's hands when you can just you know turn around and hand off to any number of talented tailbacks, including you know Ronald Jones, who's just incredible. Um, I would like to see them become that running first offense that the pass game, you know, flows out of these runs. We we use a lot of play action, kind of an offense. That's where I think USC would really start rolling and, and have a really strong. Uh, you know, offensive unit, but to me, they put the ball in Cody Kessler's hands too much. They drop him back too much. I I don't think it's it's been a uh, you know that's a great idea for them. I also I look at you know who's the receiver outside of Juju Smith. Maybe this is Cody Kessler's fault because he seems to target in on him. And you know, the year before it was who was the receiver outside Nelson Aguilar was kind of the the conversation. But you know, you think of uh, all these talented guys they have, Stephen Mitchell. Uh, you know, I know they have some injuries, but Adore Jackson plays on offense every once in a while. Daquan Hampton's out there. Jalen Green's made plays. Deontay Burnett. They have guys, but it seems like it's a number one receiver and then a bunch of number three receivers. Uh, I would like to see somebody emerge, even through all these injuries, even if it's a tight end where they almost never go. I just want to see somebody be that other threat that the defenses have to key on and you know can make a big play uh, i'd like to see that i think also on offense uh the offensive line has struggled all year i think that part of the reason why uh ronald jones is so effective is his ability to make people miss in the backfield you know when, when some, some of these uh these run plays don't really get started up front and jones just kind of makes it happen anyway i think that part of the reason why we've seen kessler struggle so much which is dropping back and looking for a receiver is that he doesn't get enough time from his offensive line i know they have some injuries up front and they've had other injuries throughout the year but i'd really like to i think that they should be further along uh than they are and then the defense, I mean, the defense was strong last night, even though they gave up 30 points. I thought uh, I thought the front seven played great, but the secondary 
you know, had issues. Arizona's receivers kind of when they were in one-on-one matchups, they made them look foolish at times. It looks like Arizona had, you know, one of the better receiving cores that we've seen. I don't know if that's necessarily true or if it was just a bad night for the secondary, but it seemed that way. I mean, Anu Solomon had great numbers passing, which is uh, not the the norm for him. So that was that's kind of the big that was the big problem last night. It's been an issue for them in recent weeks too, which is a surprise because coming into the year, I think everybody thought the defensive strength was going to be in the secondary. Um, yeah, you took every point that I had. That's really oh. cool. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going to piggyback on all of them real quick here. Um, I think we've seen a development here with the offensive line where. Since they've lost Max Turk and Tola Lobendon, who are two of their more athletic linemen, they've regressed in pass blocking. I thought that they were always, uh, that line was pretty strong in that area, and I feel like they've taken a step back. At the same time, they've improved in their run blocking. And, you know, I, I feel like that's been happening from Utah to Cal to Arizona. I mean, they ran the ball really, really well, and Ronald Jones and Justin Davis will both tell you that they had a lot to work with, and they credited the line, and, and I thought that they've done much better. Uh, combinations are, are funny on the offensive line. So uh, with Khalil Rogers at center um, and getting Chad Wheeler back on the left side and then Zach Banner on the right, um, I, I just I like that middle in particular with Rogers and Kalamival and Damian Mama, and, and I just I feel like that is the, the strength of the offense right there, um, running through them. Um, the secondary it was really really odd because I'm usually defending them. I feel like they get a bad rap, and I think that they've been great. I feel like. All things considered, from the entire year, they've been the best unit on defense. But they had a rough night. It happened. Um, not sure why they're allowing the Arizona receivers to get inside time and time again. We saw it with Adori, with Biggie, with Kevon, and and that isn't typical of them. But it, it was happening, um, and. You know, and Chris Hawkins, our, our boy Chalk, uh, who had a great year, he had a, he had a rough night in that regard. Um, but uh, these guys tackle, so you know it, it wasn't all bad. Um, I appreciate the fact that um, they're not soft. You know, they they just they, they were giving up too many receptions, and and they'll they'll tell you that. But they were playing uh, the other half of the play. Um, you mentioned the number two receiver, and I think this is a big deal. I think they're getting away with it sometimes because Juju is so good and so productive. But you look back at the the three losses they had, and I think not having a number two guy in that Stanford game when they were trying to throw the ball and get back into the game, and, and Washington when they had a, a terrible night passing the ball, and even Notre Dame, you know, when um, when Notre Dame had taken Juju kind of out of the game and, and Cody ended up throwing two picks in the fourth quarter. All three of those games, 
I think if they had uh, an established number two receiver, they have a great shot at winning those games. And they missed a big opportunity last night with Juju banged up. You know, even then, Juju got targeted a lot. I get why you target him, but given all the attempts from Cody, you would think that there would have been another guy that would have had a big night. And, and that just didn't happen. And I, I don't know why that didn't happen. Um, we thought that maybe a Deontay Burnett would break out. Um, Jalen Green didn't even have a catch. And so a lot of questions there. Um, and, and the final point, you mentioned uh, USC passing the ball way too much. Do you realize that Ronald Jones and Justin Davis combined to rush for 262 yards on just 35 carries? Those are big numbers right there. They were averaging between them seven and a half yards per carry. You, you got to keep giving them the ball. I mean, the, the fact that they would throw the ball as many times as they were running it with Juju banged up, I, I just don't get it. I, don't, I, I know there's a rhythm to offense, and you, you can't just do one thing because then that one thing won't be maybe you – won't, you, won't, you won't do it at an elite level. But I think that they, they can have a bit of an imbalance there. I think they're better off. We keep saying it, and um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, Clay Helen has made many adjustments, and maybe this will be another one. So, see, even though Chris P. Swanson took all your points, we still had more points to make. Don't you like no, that? I, well, I, I just made them again. I know. Well, let me just say, yes. as we're instant messaging to Make them again. Other. Make them again. Well, I just want to point out that in the last segment where it says Swanson can add to this, where Chris Brown started with Adam, Adam took all the points, and then I added to it. So I just did what I thought my job was. Taking everybody behind the curtain. That's what we like my, to do on the Trojan apologies. Sports Podcast. My apologies for, uh, for trying to do my job. On Don't the worry, everyone. 42 minutes into this podcast, we got a lot more show to go. <laughs> Michael Webb is still ahead. We've got the preview of the Colorado game and some recruiting. But first, the bumper sticker award we've been waiting for. Adam J. Maya, cue the music and the horn and take it away. All right. You you put you put it out there, Chris Swanson. You know where I'm going. Rojo. I'm going red. I'm going red. <laughs> I'm going rojo. Uh, Ronald Jones is second. <sighs> I hope America was watching. I know it was late. Uh, it's know, kicked off Coast. at ten thirty Eastern, so America wasn't. <laughs> so don't worry about it. <laughs> but everybody has ESPN, and I, I would just hope that on their NFL Sunday, they would double back because he's going to be one of the best players in America. He rushed for a USC freshman record, one hundred and seventy-seven yards, and then uh, after the game. It's funny, we're interviewing him and there's a bit of a, you know, of a crowd around him and he's blushing at all the attention. You can tell that he's a little bit overwhelmed by it and was not expecting it and just doesn't even know, like, what's going on, you know. And I, I talked to Justin Davis about him after the game, about Ronald Jones and 
he said, you know, he Ronald doesn't even know how good he is, you know, but he's going to be an All-American. And I think that, that encapsulates what's happening uh, better than anything. I agree on, on both those counts. I don't think he knows how good he is. I don't know how good he's going to be, but I think he'll be an All-American. And um, we're witnessing an all-time great blossom right before our very eyes. So, Ronald Jones, more than deserving Trojan of the Week. There you go. Chris P. Swanson, are you uh, are you happy that we went in your direction? Yeah. Oh, you were off my seat. You thought, you thought it was break time. I but thought you- it was over. I thought Adam was just going to rant on and on about <laughs> Rojo. I want a Rojo Trojansports.com t-shirt. I think I deserve it after all the hard work. I, th- I think you should. And I'm going to I'm going to try to get Rojo changed to Rojo. I think that's our that's, mission. I He's from Tejas, so why not? <laughs> We've been trying to come up with a nickname. Yeah, well, we have been. I like your nickname, Adam. <laughs> Absolutely but, uh, right. Rojo, I think Rojo is the one. Beautiful. It works. Red, you know, they they were cardinal. I like it. I like kids. There you go. The Adam J. Maya Bumper Sticker Award. We take a very short break. Michael Webb from the Orange County Register is on deck. He's going to join us, and we've got more ahead. The Trojansports.com podcast for your Sunday continues in moments. Hold tight a little longer, longer with Big Red. One point game, fourth quarter. Kind of figured it would be that way, but Jones trying to change that. Jones on the loose, still on his feet. Breaking loose. Jones doing it. Back on the Trojansports.com podcast for a Sunday fun day, November 8th, 2015. I don't know why I keep saying the date. I guess I'm just excited because of our next guest joining us. From the Orange County Register, you see him at Trojansports.com with the one and only Adam J. Maya. They do their R&R. Michael Lev, at Michael J. Lev on Twitter. Michael, welcome in with the fellas here at the Trojansports.com podcast. Hey, boys. How are you? Beautiful. Beautiful. It's so great to have you on. It's been a while. It has. Adam's been asking me every week, and I keep coming up with excuses for not to, for uh, for not coming on. But he you got me this me week to be on the show. <laughs> you f- you finally ran out of like excuses. You literally pleaded with me to be on this particular show. The, the truth might lie somewhere in between. Let's put it that way. It always does, Michael. It was a fun Saturday night at the Coliseum. Rojo Ronald Jones really just continues to be the talking point that we all want to try to discuss, and I know you want to discuss it as well. Yeah, we, I mean, we were talking about it last week against Cal, you know, I mean, it was echoed on Twitter by many people. We were talking about it in the press box. Why isn't Rojo getting the ball more? That's what everybody wanted to know. And I mean, there are reasons for it. You know, he's not a complete player at this point in his career. He even has admitted when he was in high school, he had to do basically zero pass protection rarely was used as a receiver. And these are important elements in USC's offense and in any offense. Um, I mean, the problem is, you know, if he can't do those things and he's in the game, it becomes kind of obvious what you're going to do. You're going to give him the ball. The thing is, when you do give him the ball, good things usually happen because he's that talented, he's that special. And they finally gave him the ball against Arizona and the results were pretty spectacular. Yeah, I think you kind of have to force feed it a little bit in a Cal game, I believe he played 13 snaps and he had 11 carries. So 
you can't telegraph him to that extent. I like that in this Arizona game, he had 19 carries, but I believe he had quite a, a few more plays in which he didn't get the ball and was just out there. And I understand that the pass blocking and the receiving, you know, need improvement, but he's too good to give only eight carries to, right? I mean, you covered a lot of football, Michael. For an 18, 19-year-old, how good is he? Oh, yeah. I mean, he's ridiculous. Um, I mean, we've we've all kind of made the comparisons to various people. I mean, I think I tweeted that he's got a little bit of Eric Dickerson in his game, a little bit of Jamal Charles. Um, Adam talked about it in our R&R video, how you just as a running back, He's better at this point in his career than Reggie and Lindale. He's What's interesting about him is he can run inside and outside. He's got speed and strength. Um, and he's not really even as strong as he's going to be because he hasn't had a full offseason um, in the strength and conditioning program. Um, I think the challenge moving forward, Adam, and, and there aren't that many games left, or Adam and Chris and Chris, um, is they didn't really use Trey Madden against Arizona. He was kind of banged up during the week. He came in for one play. Uh, it was a botched exchange between him and Cody Kessler. So it was easier to figure out the rotation when it's only two guys. You know, assuming Trey is back in the mix again here moving forward, it becomes a lot harder to divvy up the carries among three guys. Um, I do think that 20 is the magic number. It would be a great goal to shoot for. Um, for him, I, I think it's the, the right total. It's not too much. It's not too little. And if they can get somewhere in that range each week, uh, I think it'll be to their benefit. Yeah. And I do empathize with the, the personnel decisions because you have three talented players. It isn't like Trey and Justin aren't producing. And they, they have different roles and different styles. And you can't give 35 carries to Ronald. He won't be very productive, I don't believe, if you play it that way. You need to, to mix that up. But I, I had an issue with Ronald getting the third most carries like he did versus Cal. And so if you're preparing to play three guys, which I assume they will once Trey is ready to, to go, then... I like what you say, 20 carries maybe, somewhere between 17 and 20, and then maybe you aim for about 10 with both of the other two. Yeah, he has, to, he has to have the most carries. That's the yeah. thing. If you, you go into a game, say, okay, we're going to run the ball 40 times. Let's say that's the goal. Then you got to divide that up in such a way that Ronald has the most, something like 18, 12, and 10. He has to be the one with the 18, not the 10. Yeah. All right. Well, we agree. Um, I agree, we, too. Yeah, maybe we should get Helton in the room. <laughs> well, there, everybody agrees. Before we talk about Coach Helton, I want to ask Michael Lev about this Berkeley story, and I'm going back just quickly. <laughs> yes. Was Adam oh, acting sure. that ridiculous when they when uh, ordering this hamburger? I, I wouldn't say that Adam was acting ridiculous while ordering the hamburger. I mean, there was definitely a little bit of a negative attitude, a negative vibe. From Adam? Like, Never. Well, it's because, look, I understand Adam wanted to go back to San Francisco to have dinner because he loves San Francisco and there are a million good restaurants there. I was hoping we could find an alternative in Berkeley because we had 
uh, Chris Swanson with us, and I didn't want to drive all the way to San Francisco and then have to drive all the way back. Are you implying that Chris Swanson probably fits into the Berkeley landscape a little better? Um, that is definitely possible. Okay. Yes, I think he's definitely a good fit there. Yes. Um, I think, you know, in retrospect... We could have dropped him off. We could. <laughs> I, I think he wanted that. Being I him, think, him being dropped I, off was a possibility. Driving to San Francisco and then quote-unquote, making him take the BART back um, would have been a possibility. Or just going to another restaurant that would have made everybody happy. Yeah, let me point out that um, not only do we pass up the fast food Italian to go to this burger place, there's a nice-looking Japanese restaurant just sitting there. I was feeling some sushi. I feel like Berkeley has some good sushi, and we skipped that too. I don't see Adam being a sushi guy. Adam, are you a sushi guy? No, it's expensive yeah. and unfilling. Yeah, <laughs> that's precisely the problem. Chris and I like sushi, and Adam doesn't. So we had to come. I to like a food. Yeah. <laughs> Adam likes fast food Italian. That's why he hangs out with me. Anyway, no. uh, Coach Helton's shot at keeping the job. Michael, what are your thoughts? It's really interesting um, because if you look at it in a vacuum, he is not the most qualified guy for this job. Obviously, you throw every you know every top-notch candidate into the mix, his resume isn't as good as theirs. But we're not operating in a vacuum here in this particular situation. Um, This is a guy who has been around the program for a long time, um, since since 2010. Um, So he's in his sixth year here. Um, He knows the program well. Uh, He knows the players well. They love him. Um, and you sort of get you get that emotional attachment. You obviously don't want to make a decision like this based on emotion, but it's a real thing. Um, and it was a real problem uh, a couple of years ago when kind of the same situation evolved under Ed Orgeron, and he was kind of the people's choice, and he was the player's choice. And as a result, you know, Steve Sarkeesian when he came in, he was kind of unpopular, kind of inherently, just because. People were comparing him to Ed Orgeron. Um, so it makes the situation, to me, that much more difficult. And the more that Clay Helton wins, the harder it gets. Adam, you want to jump in? No, no I, I, we can let him talk. That's good. That was very good. <laughs> it was so good, everyone was just in a trance. This, uh, is, why, this is why our Trojan R&R videos are, are so successful, Chris. Is Adam is just so sharp. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. All right. Yeah, well, you know, unlike... Uh, Clay Helton, whose status is unknown. Mine is a little clearer. I am actually leaving the Orange County Register, um, as announced on Trojan R&R and various social media platforms, to uh, work for the Arizona Daily Star, which is the newspaper in Tucson, covering the Arizona Wildcats football program. Uh, Tucson is my hometown. Or, I'm sorry, my wife's hometown. <laughs> it is now. If it's going to be my hometown, it's my wife's hometown. Um so that was like a large impetus for the for the move and the whole situation. Um, nice work. So, so yeah, um, that's what's happening. I'm I'm abandoning the ship. You better not use words like impetus in Tucson, bro. They don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to dumb it down a little bit. No, I'm sorry. Congratulations, uh, Michael. Love Tucson, great town. Arizona is a great place. I'm sure uh, Adam will be coming to visit. He'll want the best restaurants though. So get him ready. <laughs> Adam. Well, Adam has family in the Tucson area. So really, I didn't know this. Yeah, he does. And Adam likes Mexican food. Um, and there's a lot of good Mexican. There is a lot of good Mexican. And no <laughs> like- sushi in Tucson. 
<laughs> I don't know. Is that a fact? There's a lot of California imports that are uh, Arizona Wildcats alum. Do you uh, want to eat Tucson sushi? That's the question. There's basically it, no sushi in Tucson then. Given the cuisine and the fact that he has family there, I mean, it sort of seems like a natural for Adam to maybe relocate to Tucson at some point. Wow. wow. Oh, wow. There you go. Reuniting at the future? A dynamic duo at some point, huh? Adam? Wait, what? I, I black out. <laughs> I don't know about doing a podcast every week with just Swanson. I may move to Tucson after that uh, happens. Well, Michael, That's fine. I'll see you all later then. <laughs> Michael, it's been a hell of a run. Oh, thanks. I have a couple of weeks left. Oh, okay. Well, I don't think we're having you on the show. Maybe we are. So. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> yeah, get out. Uh, and here at Trojansports.com, we're working to you know keep Michael around in some way, keep him contributing to USC, even though he's going to be a state away. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I'll get you in touch with my agent, Chris. Oh, perfect. That's what I want to hear. Whenever I hear, get in touch with my agents, I know it's not going to go well. Who's also so, your lawyer? I was going to say, which is also me. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. I tell you, you Jewish guys got it all covered, don't you? Oh, here we go. There you go. Well, the great Michael Lev, congratulations on the move. Hopefully you'll still be part of the fabric that is Trojansports.com. And what a fabric it is. Follow him on Twitter, at Michael J. Lev. Thanks, guys. Thank you, bro. Thank you, Michael. Thanks, I love man. you. Adam, Chris, me, the fellas, we are back in mere moments. One more quick, quick break, and we're back with recruiting, and we preview Friday night's game against the Buffaloes. That's all next Trojansports.com podcast. Hey, it's the QB Sean Salisbury, and you're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast right here on the home for everything USC. Everything USC. Trojansports.com. You're listening to the Trojan Sports Podcast on Trojansports.com. Powered by our rivals. rivals. Hi, this is Chris Morales from Yahoo Sports Radio. For years, I've been an avid consumer of energy drinks. They gave me physical energy, but recently I discovered how to get more mental energy, and we could all use that, with a little help from Mental Bright. Yes, Mental Bright is a health supplement for the brain. Mental Bright helps me focus. It helps me concentrate. Mental Bright is amazing. It's even helped my golf game. Go to mentalbright.com right now and learn more, because this will give you mental health. Mentalbright.com. This is the Trojansports.com podcast. Back on the Trojansports.com podcast for your Sunday, November 8th. A win. Don't call it. A winning streak just yet. Maybe not. 38-30, Trojans over the Wildcats at the Coliseum last night. Let's get into a little recruiting, boys. Chris P. Swanson, uh, it is all about you and your recruitment. I think you have commitment issues, so we won't even go there. But it'll be all about you and recruiting. How about that? Okay. And you're right about those commitment issues. Although you've committed to Adam and I each week, which I do enjoy. Did I? I think so. Yeah, you committed to Morales? Like the song says, I think we fooled around and fell in love. Anyway, please go. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, No comment on that, but I will comment on recruiting a little bit. Uh, You know, USC, since it was one of their last two home games, homecoming uh, against Arizona the other night, uh, official visitors were there. You know, small list, obviously, because USC doesn't have a head coach, but they had uh, 
USC commit in 2016, uh, Florida defensive tackle Keyshawn Camp was in attendance. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him because he is one of those, you know, out of state guys that committed early on. If he sticks, if the staff, you know, reshuffles and all that kind of stuff. Um, so we'll, we'll be catching up with him. He's obviously, he said all throughout the process, he's still committed to USC, but he is taking visits. So that's one to keep an eye on. Antoine Jackson was also there. He's a Georgia defensive tackle. He seems like a little bit of a long shot right now, not a commit, you know, just coming out to check out USC. But to pull a guy like that out of Georgia, I think they'd have to have a, a staff in place. So that's kind of a, a wait-and-see like camp, but it seems a little bit, you know, less likely that Antoine Jackson comes. Although with the new staff, you know, Really, who knows? It seems like USC could get a, a host of a you know a large group of guys that are uncommitted right now, or guys that might be looking at their options ever since they did fire Steve Sarkeesian. When they do get this new staff, because you know everybody is playing that wait and see game. I went to see Mike Juarez this week. I didn't get to talk to him after a devastating loss, but I talked to his head coach, and he said, "Yeah, you know USC is still in it for him. He's just waiting to see what they do with their their head coach." You know, we talked about Wole Batiku, the former UCLA commit and highly ranked outside linebacker from uh, Sarah High School in Gardena. I think that's a guy that USC has a chance with when they get a new staff. Same with Jackie Jones, uh, the four-star cornerback receiver from Long Beach Poly. Uh, you know, Michael Pittman's a guy they already have, but he's looking around, basically already decommitted, even though he is uh, committed to USC. I think that he's going to, you know, check out this new staff hard and. They might, uh, they might be able to hold on to him. He was actually at the Coliseum last night, which was a good sign because you know he is uh, really deciding between USC and UCLA again. So we're all playing that wait and see game with recruiting, with who the you know USC coaches, uh, who the new coaching staff is. You know, if they keep this coaching staff, if they go on a run, or if they keep a few members of it, it's going to be tough uh, to kind of gauge what's going on until all that happens. But I would say USC probably has a shot with pretty much anybody, depending on who this coach is. If they get a big name higher, you know, they might get a couple surprises. They might get some guys back. Who knows? Uh, it's USC. They're always going to have a good class. And uh, I think they will again come signing day. Let me ask you, does it help that they keep winning or does it hurt them that they keep winning? It helps. It helps. I mean, I guess the the argument you could make is, you know, if uh, if they keep winning, Helton might get the job, and that's not the big name splash hire. And I guess that could hurt them, although I don't think it will, because uh, so many of these recruits in the 2016 class have a close relationship with, with Clay Helton, T. Martin, and the staff. But I think it helps. You know, USC was uh, kind of perceived to be a little bit of a dumpster fire right now, maybe not in terms of talent on the team or – you know, their record, but just with everything going on, all the distractions, and they've rebounded nicely. They've shown that, you know, they are a talented team that could probably beat anybody on any given Saturday, and that always helps. Uh, you know, that that gets kids interested when you see a team that was supposed to be struggling, and, you know, even despite all these circumstances, they're still rocking and rolling. It kind of reminds me of that 20, uh, 2013 season and that 2014 recruiting class where they signed the best class in the Pac-12. Yeah, th- this team, it's weird how, how similar things are playing out to 2013, which I didn't really, I didn't cover that year. And I made a comment on Trojan R&R about how I felt like the players were coming together closer than they had for the first time in a long time. But I, I 
probably misstated that because I'm going back to the, the years that I've covered and I was there for early Kiffin and then late Carol and, you know, the glory days of Carol. But, uh, but Chris, do you feel like in terms of the unity among the players, it's just like it was under Ed Orgeron? Yeah, I mean, it is similar. It's a similar roster, a similar situation, and they're going on a win streak. It seems obvious to me that they they love Clay Helton the way that they loved Ed Orgeron. I remember that almost every interview you know, I did after a game during that, that win streak they went on in 2013 was we want to win out and we want Ed Orgeron to be our head coach. I've heard similar things about Clay Helton uh, after every game. It's eerily similar. You know, you have a, a bad start, a coach that gets fired, you know, even though different circumstances, obviously. But they've gone on a run. They seem united, and they seem to just be playing so much better. You know, they seem disjointed and kind of dysfunctional at the beginning of the season. That's not the case anymore. You covered a lot of ground there with the recruiting. I wanted to ask, though, maybe a couple of names that you haven't mentioned yet. Um, which uncommitted players do you think um, USC has a better shot with, um, with a brand new staff? It's Jackie Jones. Is the one that really stands out to me because, um, you know, I know a lot of people speculate. Jackie Joseph has told us a lot of interesting things about him at USC. (laughs) Uh, A lot of people speculate that, you know, smoke screens or he's just playing the game or whatever. But to me, he seems, it seemed like he got very interested in Texas A&M. He took an official visit out there and he went back for an unofficial, um, you know, which is unusual. And uh, something that kind of makes you think, oh, wow, maybe Texas A&M is, you know, in this for him. Well, if USC gets a new staff and they make him a priority and make it hard for him to to leave home, they're probably going to get him. I mean, there's a Long Beach Poly connection to USC. I I know just from talking to Jackie Jones way early on before, you know, he starts saying some interesting things about USC that he he is interested. He always has been. I think that's the guy that really stands out where I'm like, yeah, a new staff. You know, they get Jackie Jones is really how I feel if they want him. I feel like he's there for the taking. There isn't really another guy that jumps out to me that's like, oh, you know, when the staff changes, things change with them. I mean, maybe you look at some of these kids that the staff kind of cooled on. Brandon Byrne, uh, who I felt like has always been high on USC, the the safety wide receiver from Sarah High School in Gardena. He could come back into play. I think of Javon McKinley at Corona Centennial, that explosive four-star wide receiver that USC offered really early on in the process and then cooled on late. So there's a couple of guys, but, you know, USC is USC. I think that pretty much whoever their coach is, they're going to attract some talent. But, you know, a really big name hire, uh, they might even get into it, you know, get in the mix for some national names. Maybe Antoine Jackson, who just visited, you know, some of these guys that have been on campus, if they see that big name hire. Maybe that impresses them. Rashawn um, Gary. Yeah, Rashawn Gary. He's going to visit in January, uh, or at least that's the plan. So, yeah. Funny. Uh, isn't, that, isn't that kind of funny that he is already planning that visit for mid-January when, you know, USC will definitely have a new coach by then? Yeah. Um, it is interesting. I think that most of that had to do with his official visit schedule during the season was thrown off because uh, his high school, Paramus Catholic, plays actually plays their games on Saturdays. So he couldn't take official visits during the season. So I think that had something to do with him you know, scheduling all these trips after the year. But 
Yeah, it is interesting because January, there's no chance you know that they don't have a head coach at that time. Maybe if you took one in December, there's a little bit of a chance. So, yeah, it's, it, he's always been interested in USC. I think that's a guy that they could get, although I don't expect it. You know, it kind of depends on who they hire. But, yeah, some of these out-of-state, bigger-name guys could come back into play you know, with a big-name hire. And then you think of the local kids – and for the most part, maybe outside of Jackie Jones and outside of a Wole Batiku who might not even care, you know, who might just be going to USC anyway. It's really about, you know, who you keep on the staff. Does Clay Helton stay? Does T. Martin stay? Uh, that's what those kids are looking for. So it'll be interesting to see who sticks, who comes, you know, what the new staff wants, who they want, who they don't want. It's all going to get kind of crazy uh, a few months down the line. Yeah, I, w- I want to ask him too on the flip side of that. Um, and this might be hard to answer, but what few players do you feel like they might lose because of staff changes? Okay, Michael Pittman is the one that jumps out to me because it does seem like he's struggling with the, the USC-UCLA decision again, although I did mention he was at the Coliseum last night, which is a great sign for USC. Well, um, he wouldn't that, have been in Corvallis. <laughs> well, okay, but still, he didn't have to come. Yeah, you know he 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 was a regular at the games early on, and I think he missed a couple right around the time that this whole coaching thing happened. So it was a good sign to see him there. But he's a guy I think could flip. Vilas Jones will flip almost certainly. Um, I don't know if that really matters with the staff, but that you know that's just a guy that comes to mind. Um, you know, you got to think of Matt Fink. Because even though he's a quarterback and he's committed early, if Clay Helton isn't there, does he want to come to USC anymore? You know, maybe the new staff doesn't want him. So I think, you know, you got to keep an eye on him. Um, Keanu Saliapaga is taking some visits, but or, you know, is thinking about taking visits, but I'm not really sure that he's a, he's a flip guy. You know, some of these some of these guys that they got, some of these local kids, they're committed to USC because it's USC because they want to stay home, want to stay close to family and play football, you know, at a traditional powerhouse in their backyard. So they might, it might not be too much of a risk uh, to lose some of these guys, but you know, it's always a possibility when you're going through coaching changes and there's other coaching staffs out there telling all these kids, you know, Hey, you're our guy. Look at the stability we have uh, with our program. So it's always, it's always something to be concerned about. But for the most part, USC's class right now is almost entirely local. And then, you know, you look at even the, some of the guys out of state, Joshi Mortebebe, his brother's there. Uh, so he's probably not going anywhere. Jordan Iosefa from Hawaii, he's now like their only linebacker. So he might stick even with some coaching uncertainty. You know, I, I guess I should fr- mention Frank Martin is a guy that could decommit because he's taking some visits. Uh, but. I think that pretty much covers it. Maybe Kerry Angeline, the tight end from Pennsylvania, just because he's not local. But for the most part, I see USC's core class sticking together until all this kind of gets figured out. Not Frank the Tank. Didn't you and I take a picture with him in Baltimore? We did. That was uh, that was amazing. He's a very large man. Okay. I don't think anything sounds so exciting as Crispy Swanson in Boulder, Colorado on a Friday night. That ain't oh happening. Are you not going? I'm not going. Oh, I'm I was covering c- the the basketball 
season opener, which for some reason is at the same time as USC's football game. So the Galen Center should absolutely be packed with fans <laughs> screaming and cheering. You know, they will not be home watching USC try to win the Pac-12 South title. They're going to watch their losing basketball team. I'm very against. sad. I was looking forward to really the Saturday, the morning after, when Adam and I try to, you know, hunt you down and see if you're still, you know, <laughs> conscious at all anyway well you could come to long beach and go through that experience <laughs> i could want. i think the lbc is a little more difficult for some reason than colorado for me i don't know why anyway uh colorado i'll be there will you yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't have the same sizzle are you going to expense not a problem are you going to stay in denver and expense a huge hotel room <laughs> uh, i am going to stay in denver <laughs> i have a friend in denver that i might stay with well be sure to hydrate okay you get okay. it it's very what easy in the mile well, in the Mile High City, you get a little tipsy. You have one cocktail and you're done. I don't drink. Oh, that's true. Okay, well, then never mind. Anyway, uh, so we've got Colorado up next. Already, Adam and I were looking at the spread before the show. It's at plus 22 on this Sunday betting line that comes out. And Adam says, eh, that's a little risky. And I kind of have to agree. But we've got the Buffaloes up next. They're not very good. But Adam J. Maya, what are they good at? Okay, well... <laughs> They run the ball fairly well. At least, you know, the numbers bear that out, although sometimes that can be very misleading if you're a bit one-dimensional or you pad your stacks in games in which you're not even competitive in. So they run the ball okay. And they can defend the packs fairly well. But they don't win football games. They're They're pretty bad. And they've been bad and... They don't belong in the Pac-12. I think everyone knows it. And it's unfortunate because they they had a, a pretty proud history. And they've fallen apart. And they've remained, you know, broken for a very long time. So it's a game in which it's another trap game, right? Um, you're going on the road. You're playing in a weird altitude. It'll be really cold. It's very unfamiliar for USC. And they've given a couple teams a little bit of trouble. They really could have beaten UCLA in Pasadena. But it's a game in which I actually believe USC will just kind of impose their will because they're so much better. I just wouldn't advise betting on it by any means. Well, no, we would we would never want to advise at all. I mean, it's just for entertainment purposes only, of course. Crispy Swanson, okay. your thoughts about Colorado, who, by the way, lost forty two ten to Stanford on uh, yesterday, on Saturday, just not very good. Yeah, uh, Colorado is not very good, but to be fair, they are actually much improved uh, from <laughs> the last couple of years. They're not awful it used to be usc was going to throw eight touchdowns against colorado beat them like 70 to nothing and uh i would say 22 points jump all over that but if you look at their schedule now i mean they're four and six so technically they're fighting you know for bowl eligibility i guess although with their remaining schedule (laughs) including usc and utah and washington state who's better than them too that's not going to happen but you know i look they lost an early season game to Hawaii, then they kind of turned things around. They beat Colorado State. You know, they were competitive against Arizona. They beat Oregon State, competitive against UCLA. So there's some hope there. 
if you're a Colorado fan, I think things are turning around, but USC should beat them up. You know, um, they're just the better team. I think going on the road in the cold is a little bit of a concern. I think back to 2013, that Colorado game, people forget, was actually not a blowout. Um, You know, USC scored a lot, and Cody Kessler threw a lot of touchdowns. But I believe the final score was within three touchdowns, closer to two touchdowns. Um, I'm kind of expecting that sort of a game. I think USC will win comfortably, but I don't think they're going to take, you know, get that huge, huge win, um, you know, that huge blowout victory. I'll tell you what I do want to see from USC, though, in this game. Run the ball. Please. Please run the ball. It's what USC fans must be saying to their coaching staff. You have a team, an offense that's identity right now is is we're a run team. They're a run first team. That's what they should be. That's what their backfield set up to do. If they can't pass protect, Cody Kessler's not that great of a quarterback. They're a run first team. I want to see USC, even though Colorado, you know, as Adam said, that's uh, they defend the pass well, so maybe that kind of sets up USC to run the ball. Maybe the coaches see it early and go after it. Maybe the cold weather leads them to do it. That's what USC should do, though. Pound the rock against Colorado. I agree. I think that's priority number one. I thought that would have been priority number one Saturday night with Arizona, who has been horrific versus the run. And yet, in that first half, USC threw the ball about twice as much. And actually with you know Juju playing, but limited still and and, and coming out of the game, you know, and, and dealing with that hand. And I just can't understand sometimes what they're thinking on offense. And and if you look at the numbers, they didn't run the ball very well in the first half and then they blew up in the second half. But I think a big part of that is not committing to it. And it was the first thing that, that came out of the mouth of, of Justin Davis last night. We need a rhythm. And and by running more and more, they learn the defense. They just get into the flow of the game. And they're going to run better the more that they run. And so I felt like USC kind of abandoned that a little prematurely in the first half. Fortunately, they went back to it. But... Colorado, as I mentioned, they actually defend the pass pretty well. Uh, USC's receiving corps is a bit of an unknown still. Pass Juju. It's been kind of up and down, and you don't really know um, who's going to get involved and, and who Cody's going to involve. And so I just don't even understand how they wouldn't go all out on the run. Now, as I say that, some people will suggest, why don't they run every play? Uh, Chris Swanson is on occasion one of those people. But oh, yes. that that's not the way you handle it. You, you have to mix it up. You have to keep the, the opposing defense honest. I think people know that. I think in their heart of heart, they realize that. I just think that the numbers should favor you running the ball more often and, and committing to it. And maybe first down... You get a yard, but then you you go back to it because if it's second and nine, and then you throw the ball and you don't complete it, or you get a you know two yard pass, then it's third and seven, and then 
you do probably need to throw the ball. And so you have to commit to it in the early downs, back-to-back plays, or even if you throw on first down, run on second, and you get five, and then you run on third. I, I don't know. Just the, the sequencing is pretty important there, and that's why I think sometimes we're seeing USC throw the ball more than they should because of the order of their plays. And with, with this backfield, even with only two running backs available, they should be running the ball 40-plus times a game. No-brainer. I agree. And I just, you know, I want to clarify something since you made me sound like I don't understand football at all there, Adam. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, yes, as we're sitting in the press box and I express my frustration to you over some of the play calls, maybe it does seem like I'm one of those guys that just wants USC to run the ball constantly all the time. I understand they have to throw. I understand that, you know, their offense incorporates some throws. They're not a wishbone team. I get that. What what frustrates me is that I feel like the pass get USC's pass game is not it's not in sync with the offense with the running offense. I feel like that their passing offense doesn't really match what they are. To me, your run first team now passes should be coming off of play action. Should involve rollouts, you know, with drag routes or other simple routes where Kessler can just see it throw. You know, no thought process in it. When I see USC drop Kessler back, just straight drop back, pass protection, you know, no deception on the play, it seems to me like most of the time something bad happens. A sack, an incomplete pass, something bad. I would like to see USC get away from those plays, except in obvious passing situations. I think that with that, you know, become a run first offense, use the run to set up explosive pass plays by fooling the defense. That's just my opinion. So I apologize, Adam, if my frustration in the press box makes me seem like, you know, a crazy football fan that uh, that's just going to scream random coaching tidbits at the at the field like catch it. And run, <laughs> but that's not me. Did Adam uh, go off on you like a Dan Hawkins almost type rant? He did. I'm sorry, just uh, talking about Colorado so much just makes me reminisce of the good old days. He did. Uh, he told me that I need to tough it out, that uh, you know I need to work harder, and uh, he's not going to put up with all my parents complaining. Exactly. About go it. play intramurals, right? Exactly. All right, real quick, we're going to get to uh, the coaching search here in just a moment, but prediction time, of course, the Maya Tenfold will be before game time, and you've got to pay attention. Because Adam J. Maya was very close on that Arizona-USC score. But Crispy Swanson, do I take the 22 points? I think you're actually talking me into it. But what do you think is the the score on Friday night? You know, my score is, is not going to cover the 22-point spread. I'm going to say 35-17. I think the USC runs the ball, so that kind of you know keeps the score down a little bit. I think USC's defense... And front seven is is has really transformed over the last few weeks. So even though you know Colorado does run the ball pretty well, I think USC will shut them down. Um, and I expect a lower scoring game. Um, so that's what I'm taking. That doesn't cover 22 points. I would say avoid picking USC to cover spreads as of late. You know they don't. I know Colorado is <laughs> a team that you can blow out, but USC doesn't really blow teams out, at least this season. They haven't been. That Utah game was the one, you know, where they they really stuck it to them. Outside of the Sun Belt, every game's been pretty competitive. Uh, So I don't see them. 
if you can okay, roll out. Yeah, but, I for, I'm sorry. But both of those games, you know, they, they got that way because of a lot of turnovers, which you can't predict. Um, it, they haven't blown people out with their offense. I think it's fair to say that. Yeah. So I'm saying an 18.1. Very nice. Uh, Adam J. Mai, any final thoughts on Colorado? I'm very confident that USC will win. And, and again, I'm not going to really go into the spread or anything, but I don't always feel that way. Um, I feel like there's a part of me that is always skeptical with this team, and they made me that way. It's not because of me. Um, but I I really believe they're going to win. Um, I think that they're just playing really well. I like the way that they're playing. I know that some people are not really satisfied with that final score from Arizona, but I think you have to put it in context when they were trailing 14 nothing, and then they go up and they're winning by 15 into the, you know, the essentially the final minute of the game, they gave up that touchdown. They won that game pretty well, and, and they're winning in ways in which they weren't under Sarkeesian. And so while they might not win by 30 on Friday night in Boulder, they're going to win. And that's what they do with Orgeron. And I think that is what we should care about. I think if we get caught up in the the show, you know, and, and caught up in the numbers, then you're going to miss the beauty right in front of you. And I think that there's something really nice going on with this football team that I'm enjoying. Well, it's not a national title team where you should get caught up at the numbers. You know what I mean? This is in 2005, 2004, where you're like, oh, I hope they score 50 today. I hope, you know, Matt Leinart throws four touchdowns and Reggie has a 100-yard game. It's it's just win. You know, that's kind of got to be the motto for USC right now. Just win and good things will happen for this team. So I'm with you, Adam. Just, you know, enjoy yeah. the run that they're on if you're a USC fan and – it's an exciting season, even though, you know, at the beginning it didn't seem like it would be. So that's something to celebrate right there. I like to enjoy the beauty in front of me, like you two. Before we walk it out here for a, We're not a video. for a Sunday fun day, how about the coaching search? What's the latest, Adam J. Maya? Well, no new development at this moment as we record this on Sunday. But I, I don't know why, but I trust USC right now. I, I don't know if you have that feeling, Chris Watson, but I trust that they're going to get somebody that the majority of people want. Well, I don't, I would go as far to say I trust USC, but I think that their <laughs> their back is in a the administration has their back in a corner. They know what they need to do to get people to shut up, and that's hire the biggest name guy out there. You know, get a big name. Everything's okay now. If you're if you're on you know if you're in the athletic department on staff, you know with all this pressure on you after this last coaching hire, that's how you shut people up. So I think in that sense, that's why I trust USC because I don't think they're going to get a small name, a young guy, a project, you know, a former coordinator with the program. I don't think they go that direction. I think they you know go after the big fish, and you know there's enough out there, and USC's throwing enough money around that I think they'll get somebody. Um, now, will it make the fan base happy? From what I've seen on our message board, 
nothing will make the fan base happy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, people have already written off Kyle Whittingham because Utah's ranked 12th and have one loss, which to me is insane. There's a thread on our message board the other, you know, on game night. Should we scratch off Gary Patterson because he got blown out? Gary Patterson is one of the best coaches in college football. You know, like is unless, like you said, unless they get it, Urban Meyer, Nick Saban, Pete Carroll, Vince Lombardi, uh, you know, Bill Belichick, they they're not going to be happy. So we'll see. I mean, I think wait, the name wait, will be Vince Lombardi. Yeah, I was thrown off. <laughs> I did. I th- if he rose from the grave. You know, zombie Vince Lombardi <laughs> came to coach USC. I, okay. Then maybe USC fans would be happy. But I, I'll be right back. I'm going to go edit our hot board. Yeah, add, add Vince Lombardi. Add zombie Vince Lombardi. Zombie yeah, Vince Lombardi. His agent has contacted USC and told them they have the technology to reanimate him. So, you know, developing story there. But my point is this, is that USC fans, unless it's just the biggest name ever, they're not going to be happy. They will be happy with Whittingham. I think most football people would be that are USC fans would be thrilled with Whittingham, would be thrilled with Patterson. You know, duh, almost. Like, those are the guys that are, like, the top choices on most everybody's board, I would think. But, you know, the common USC fan, unless it's that name that you just recognize, that everybody recognizes, even non-football watchers, there's going to be some complaints. The irony is... Them losing a game, or maybe even losing a couple games, could even inch them closer to USC. Yes. Let's say the other thing. If Woodyham went undefeated, if, let's say I don't think this would have happened, but let's just say that he won a national title at Utah. Is he leaving Utah? I don't think so. You know, like it, sometimes winning too much kind of keeps you in place, um, even if you know it, it's not your dream job or you know where or, you really or it puts be. you in the nfl yeah that well that too that too coaching hot board 3.0 is now available at trojansports.com and adam j Maya is updating it boy boys it was a sunday fun day we get ready for friday night in boulder uh 6 p.m kickoff usc colorado 22 points being given to those buffaloes we'll see how it goes down any final 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 thoughts adam what exactly right Bye, kids. Enjoy the week. Trojansports.com for everything you need. USC, and we will see you back, I believe, Monday after the Friday night uh, hopeful victory from our USC Trojans. Of course, keep it locked. Trojansports.com at USC underscore rivals. Follow the fellas at Adam J. Maya and at Chris P. Swanson. Boys, we will see you next week. Adios. Well, we gave him a week at the start of the semester rather than the end, but here's my point, okay? It's Division One football! It ain't either murals. You got two weeks after finals. You got a week of July 4th, and you got a week before camp starts. That's a month. That's probably more vacation than you guys get. And we're a little bummed out that we don't get three weeks. Go play intramurals, brother. Go play intramurals. So let's see some hustle. Let's jack it up a little. I got a feeling things are about to turn around.